This podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only and does not constitute medical or other professional healthcare advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please be sure you're seeking advice from a qualified healthcare professional. If you are located in the United States and are experiencing a mental health emergency, please call and text the new 988 number for mental health support. Welcome all survivors, helpers, and allies of sexual trauma. This is the FOF podcast where we help match you with resources for your sexual trauma healing journey to increase your confidence and handle life the freak out free way. We are Claire Horner and Dr. Sadal Jones, two sexual trauma specialists and resource matchmakers committed to your healing and ours. Healing from sexual trauma is hard enough. As warriors and helpers, we are creating a space where we can all learn, grow, and become confident, living unstuck after sexual trauma. But we can get stuck in the healing. We need to know the way out. This podcast matches you with resources for sexual trauma healing to increase your confidence and handle life the freak out free way. Let's do that together the freak out free way on the FOF podcast. Sarah Aird is a recovering complex trauma survivor who uses her voice and writing to advocate for herself and other healing trauma survivors. She has created an educational and compassion-building community on Instagram called Breaking Down CPTSD. Utilizing her 17 years of personal research and lived experience, she breaks down a variety of science backed recovery resources into digestible, accessible, and practical tools. She has written several recovery workbooks, which combine trauma education with the compassionate perspective of someone who has lived it herself. Sarah is passionate about empowering trauma survivors to heal and recover through education and supportive communities. Hi, Sarah, and welcome to FOF Podcast. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. We're excited to have you. We're excited to have you. So um, we're just going to jump right in and start with what we like to to call kind of how did you get to the space of creating all of these wonderful resources that you have created and to be in a space of advocacy? Because that is the main thing that comes up when we look at the work that you do is advocating for survivors. And so how did you come to this space? I'm trying to think where to start. What comes to mind first is the word hope. I think when I reflect on my own recovery journey and I think about where I started, one of the first things that comes to mind was just how long it took me to find the places that I needed to find or the resources that I needed to find or the people that I needed to find. And it was almost a decade. I was like, Mm. quote unquote, in recovery for like eight or nine years in and out of different therapies, picking up information, trying to, back then I would say, figure out what's wrong with me. (laughs) So when I finally got into what I would call trauma-informed spaces, it really just changed how, how recovery looked and how 
I started to relate to myself and I noticed this growing sense of hope. Like maybe there is a life or a world where like it doesn't feel so desperate and alone and difficult. So, you know, spent again, several years in these spaces and maybe reflected on what my experience of having to kind of collect my own recovery recipe or like, yeah, like pulling all of these things together. I, I compare it to a puzzle, like pulling all these pieces together so I could finally put the puzzle together. And eventually I wanted to share that hope with others. And I thought about it as like, it would be really cool to have like a hub or a place where people could start to learn about resources in a kind of digestible way, right? Because there's just, I mean, I think I always like to say complex trauma recovery has a complex recovery. And maybe I like the word recipe because like everybody's recipe is a little different. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, like there's a lot of information to take in and process. And I'd like to think my background academically is a biology major with a secondary teaching certificate. So I call myself, you know, like a biologist, an educator. And then later I got a writing certificate. And so I kind of feel like my wheelhouse is taking these kind of science-backed trauma recovery ideas and writing and breaking them down into like ways I would talk to my students, right? Mm -hmm. Or like up here, just like, how does this look practical? So yeah, that's what led me to create Breaking Down CPTSD and which became its own kind of, (laughs) it took on a life of its own, really. I didn't know what that was going to become when I started it. (laughs) If I reflect back like hope was what drove me to step into that space and a desire to spread hope that I had found in my own recovery. Hmm. Hope can be such a difficult commodity to find when you're in the trauma space. Mm -hmm. And I know I find that I spend a good bit of time, oftentimes in the beginning, working with someone saying, borrow mine and ride my hope for a while if you don't have any. But the path of putting together, like you said, finding those pieces and then putting them together in a way that works for you. In a recipe, you may not want as much of this spice. You may never ever Mm -hmm. use Mm -hmm. coriander. (laughs) Right. You may never ever use that because you don't like it. And I think finding resources and deciding for yourself is much the same. Yeah. I think the other thing too, is as I listen to you talk about how you came to this space of, you know, looking for hope and putting together all the different resources and things that you encountered over almost a decade long healing journey. I think that's, that's something that many survivors probably go through, like trying to figure out what works best for them, the things that they're going to do that helps them heal. But you took it a step further, right? So you went from, you know, these are the things that work for me. I finally figured out some pieces or some ingredients, let's say, since we're talking about recipes, (laughs) some ingredients that work well for me. But you took it a step further and you went to, now I'm going to show others how to do this. I'm going to 
show others how to use their voice and how to use these resources. And I'm going to break down this um, CTPTSD form and I'm going to help them do what it took me 10 years to do. How did you get from that you finding hope to you wanting to help other survivors find hope? It's a really good question. And I would say I didn't come by it easily. Like I didn't necessarily like see myself as an advocate (laughs) to start. I think what drives me is a passion that, and I, I would say this passion was like brought out in me is that like, it is the innate survivor, like the innate wisdom in survivors. And I was lucky enough to get into spaces and with groups of people that like honored my own intuition that like saw me as the expert on my own journey. And there was something really uh, powerful about that. Yeah. That's good. And so a lot of what I would say, like one of the underpinnings of the work that I do is like, is I want other survivors to understand that they're the experts of their own recovery process, but also how hard that is sometimes because we might find ourselves in spaces where what we know we need or what we know isn't working for us or where we know we want to go isn't honored. And so I think, I, I guess that's maybe like what drove me into advocacy was of all the things I discovered along the way, maybe the most empowering experience that I had was that like, I started to feel like I was in the driver's seat on my own recovery. Well, I hope a lot of like what I put out into the world in terms of education is like helping survivors to see their own intuition and wisdom as they're learning and to start to trust that. And then I guess I, I guess I would say that like when I, my sense is that when I know when I was able to tap into that, the way I recovered changed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Seeing that wisdom in the community made me want to spark it, (laughs) I guess. Right. I was smiling so big when I heard you say, letting others know that they're the expert on their own recovery, right? Because that's something that Claire and I have said from the beginning of Reset and FOF. We've always said that that's something we want people to understand, that you're your own best resource. There are tons of resources out there that we can give you and and share with you and education we can provide, but you are the one that knows best what works for you, what doesn't work for you, and how to put all the things together. And so to hear you say that that's something that rings true for you and, and helps you to do the work that you do for others and for yourself lets us know that our, that thought process is actually in the right space, right? So yeah. Trauma, and I think especially S trauma or sexual trauma, is a particular space where our trust in ourselves often takes a major hit. Or if it was from early childhood, that may not have even been developed, that internal mm-hmm. sense. I mean, I think we have it innately as as beings when we come into the world, but I, I think it, it's wob- it can be wobbly. And so I hear sometimes, you know, well, how do I trust myself to know that this is a good resource? I mean, I don't know that anybody formulates that exact sentence, but... <laughs> But how do I know this is good for me? I don't really trust myself. So I think, you know, I usually suggest it in the in terms of like, as 
silly as it might sound, treat it like trying on clothes. You got to try things on, Mm -hmm. see if it fits and just notice, notice whether you feel better. Notice whether if you don't feel better, does it feel more like growth, not feeling good? Or does it feel more like this doesn't fit for me? Mm -hmm. And you may go through a bunch of things before you get the rhythm of noticing the aspects Mm -hmm. that tell you this is for me, this isn't for me. Let's take breath work. You know, we can say all day you, you, you should sit down and tune into your breath. But if that causes you more anxiety, don't do it. <laughs> right, right. That's not the thing for you. Yeah, I find that sometimes the recovery process itself like has edges of elements of trauma feeling like disempowered or like invalidated or I can't trust myself. I have to look to someone else to tell me mm-hmm. what I'm feeling, what I should think, how I should do it. And so like that kind of way we recover, I think is, yeah, how we're developing the power and the trust and the self-compassion. So when services and resources are survivor centered, like we're already saying like you're the expert, even if you're not sure what the pieces are yet, Mm -hmm. that alone shifts, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. how yeah. the survivor might see themselves in the process. How would you categorize, like if you were to to list the different types, because you have so, when I say you have so many resources <laughs> that you have created over the years, the high points I see are kind of the written things, mm-hmm. the community, and the kind of the tools. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How would you categorize? I mean, because you're intimately familiar with all of them. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. So I guess I would say, like, I look at them as as like different tiers of support. What's maybe at the center of a lot of what I am offering, and this is just like the way my brain works. Like, whenever like I read a book or like listen to a podcast, I always am like, okay, so like what do I go and like, what's my day-to-day application of Mm. this? Like, I, you know, like what's the takeaway. And so a lot of what I create, it's like psychoeducational, but I also feel like it's like, what, what would you then go do like tomorrow after having picked up this workbook or um, read this post or something? Mm. So that's in my own personality of like, okay, (laughs) that's great information. Like, what do I do with it now? So it's practical and applicable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think the, the, the resources are maybe tiered. I like to, in fact, it's like, I offer like what I would say is like more general information and then like it slowly becomes more personalized in the different offerings that I have. I like that. My account, Breaking Down CPTSD, I would maybe call the mission of Breaking Down CPTSD is like compassion building through trauma recovery education. Mm -hmm. When we can see ourselves through a trauma lens, that tends to increase our our compassion for ourselves because it's like, oh, I actually make sense. Like Uh I'm seeing how this is showing up and also like, 
other people also feel this way. So then again, like I'm not alone. space of universality and not feeling like you're alone comes into play when you can um, have that lens. Absolutely. Yeah. I took breaking down CPTSD and expanded it into the owl survivor shop, which was again, just like, how do I take this information and make it even more applicable? Like, how can I take like a mini workbook and offer like a, a, a tool that you could start using the next day? And eventually that drove me into like peer-to-peer support, which is the SurvivorWise mm. program. I'd had several years of mentoring and running groups and different things like that. And I find that like the biggest impact in terms of recovery happens in relationship. And so... I knew it was taking me there. I, I, it just took me a while to get there. And so the SurvivorWise program, I hope that word speaks to it, again, is about helping survivors understand trauma and also centering them as the expert in their journey within a community of survivors who are also doing similar things. Yeah, so they've kind of like, I feel like they've kind of grown out of like, they've just started to expand out of each other and uh, hopefully will continue to expand. Is that primarily female or is there gender inclusivity within the community? So on breaking down CPTSD, that's obviously a public platform through mm-hmm. Instagram. Like that's available to everyone. The Owl Survivor Shop also, obviously. And then, but the SurvivorWise program is specifically for women Mm -hmm. And that was a hard decision for me, looking at my own triggers, capacities and different Mm -hmm. things, just kind of understanding like what I felt like I could and couldn't do. Mm -hmm. I don't know that if, you know, there's maybe a possibility that that also like opens up for more inclusiveness. I just know when I started, that was an important thing for me to assess Mm -hmm. going in. Right. And I think the, the conversation around gender with sexual trauma is such a, a touchy one because of the different people that are perpetrators. <laughs> and, you know, and, and we know that in the trigger world, in our trauma responses, that we can have a lot of responses that relate to someone being similar in any kind of way to who the perpetrator was. And it is just kind of true that there has been a high level of male perpetrator, female victim survivors. But that's, we, we obviously know that that is not the end of the story. And we have so, there are so many, I have so much passion for everyone who has been through that. It's like a, it, it was a, I would say it's like a tricky space and, and I, also can you know just considered like the scope of my practice and the scope mm-hmm. of what I'm doing mm-hmm. um I do I do have I sometimes run survivor circles which are open to everyone I have experience running groups you know that are fully inclusive but I don't have experience uh, in one-on-one mentoring and so I think like part of it was just assessing like just like all of those different things and it was such a hard decision. <laughs> I think, right, to like narrow my those offerings down in, in, in some way. But again, it's like, I don't, you know, I've been surprised where this 
this advocacy journey has taken me. So who knows where, (laughs) where it could go. I just know I try to be really just mindful of like my own capacity in the space and, and like the scope of what I can offer for the safety of the people I work with and my own safety. And I think that's also that, that double-edged sword of, of having a, a passion for helping and advocating for others while also maintaining your own mm-hmm. journey, right? And so all of these resources and all of the things that you're doing to advocate and, pro- and provide and create spaces for others to find their, their path to healing is admirable. But I wonder where you find the strength to do that while doing your own work. Because what I hear in what you just said is you're making sure that you're doing your own work in addition to helping others find their path for their work. I will say it's been a learning process. So I started breaking down CPTSD about two years ago. So that's how I've, I've been doing this for about two years now. And I would say like over the last maybe like six to nine months, like I've just had to really set boundaries in the advocacy space for myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, honestly, it's like, right, that's maybe even part of my own healing process. Yeah. If you're on my account on Instagram, you notice that I'll take like uh, rest weeks where I'm not posting or like engaging with social media. And I, I actually have a few people I look up to and I would consider them mentors online that just have modeled for me, like being really mindful of like my energy and my time and my self care as I've come into advocacy, which has been just Mm -hmm. its own learning process, right? Because it's like, um, I'm still yes, I'm still doing my own work. And the way I care for myself had to kind of shift a little. I mean, some of the things I had to consider was like, how much I'm like, how much exposure I want to put out there and like what I want to disclose and not disclose, mm-hmm. like where were my emotional boundaries on my personal work and then how I share that with others. And that especially came, became like more clear as the account started growing. I would say like it's an ongoing process <laughs> of like yeah. um, balancing what I'm putting out with what I'm putting in, like how mm. I take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And I guess like the one thing I've, I've got going for me that I feel like has helped me through the process is just a sense of gentleness. Like I've made so many mistakes <laughs> and mm-hmm. I've overworked myself and had to pull back. And like, like it's through those processes that I've learned where my boundaries and all of those things need to be. And every day I just tell myself, like, this is the process. This is part of the process. And so it's going to be messy and imperfect. And there are days where I'll just realize, like, I've got to scale back in advocacy because, like, I'm losing touch with myself (laughs) or something. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like it's a constant just staying aware and staying gentle with myself as I learned to be in this public space that I didn't ever completely imagine myself in and just, yeah, taking it a step at a time. As you said, you know, kind of finding, finding your way in 
what's best for you. We talk about boundaries so much and uh, use that word a lot. But as you were saying that, I was um, I, I'm very visual and I imagined like us the ways that we kind of run into the wall mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, like emotionally or physically you yeah. hit the wall and mm-hmm. like, that's the boundary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not elusive. It is, it is right just as yeah. concrete or I don't know, drywall. It's just, <laughs> it's just as hard or glass, you know, it, that, that wall that we hit and it hurts sometimes when we hit that wall, we find that boundary. But as we know where the walls are, almost like if you were walking through with your eyes closed or, or in a blind space, you know, we have to kind of feel around. And, and this is that process of trying on different resources is, is that as well, I think. And from your perspective of being the resource provider, (laughs) you have to create that space so that you can continue to engage with them and it be and it be a live process mm-hmm. yeah a yeah I process. find like as you were talking I just thought about one of the first things I encountered in in terms of like oh maybe I need some help <laughs> mm. was like hitting physical hitting physical limits in a real way exactly and so as I'm cultivating like a life that's more intentional. Like I, I like something that is important to me is like slowing down. I was very reluctant to get on social media for, I think that very reason Mm -hmm. (laughs) is I was like, I just know there's going to be something about this platform. That's going to challenge like some of the stuff I want for myself. And so, yeah, a balance of between like, I want to be here and I want to be advocating and also like, I want to be like, I want my life to slow down and I want to recognize my limits and, and, and allow it to be okay to not post every day and to not be churning out. Like, although I, I do like writing, but I'm trying to be like aware of like when my body's like, I'm, I don't want to make a resource right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, mm-hmm. I just want to watch a movie or something, you know, like I need a break from creating. It's been a, just, I would call it a deeper layer to my own, yeah, inner, ba- like boundaries and limits mm-hmm. and like listening to to my body. And, and just like any layer that you're in, I think it has its challenges, like you said, where it's like, Sometimes you don't know where the boundary is until you are right up against it. Mm-hmm. I know you've made it pretty clear or I've I've seen even in a review there was there was clarity around how this your your resources or you as a person aren't a therapist. This isn't necessarily therapy space. And I like to highlight how many ways we can do this healing process. And therapy is certainly a huge, can be a huge piece. But I always like to clarify, even as a therapist, I like people to know, (laughs) I know that there are plenty of other ways to engage in this healing. And if you have had bad experiences with therapists or programs, uh, 
that you can supplement and kind of put together your own program from lots of different areas. It's partly why FOF is here, why Mm -hmm. this podcast became, was born, Mm -hmm. is so that we can piece together what we need. You might be in a space of, someone might be in a space where they want to either take a break from therapy or they're not ready for it, or it's just not on the table. And I Mm -hmm. think what you've put together, the resources that you have is a great plugin for that space. So I just wanted to kind of Mm -hmm. name that and Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was something I wanted to be really clear about going in. And I feel like I continually have to clarify that because <laughs> like there are sometimes like assumptions that I'm certain things and I'm like, nope, I'm this is what I am. And I try to be really um, mm-hmm. clear about that. And yeah, like speaking to, yeah, what I would call like different parts of the puzzle. So huge fan of therapy and changed my life, right? Like it's been a really important element to my recovery, but it, it had a certain role to play and it couldn't necessarily play other roles that mm-hmm. I needed in my healing, like yes. body work. Like mm-hmm. I needed, I ended up, you know, getting into like therapeutic massage and finding a trauma informed body worker. Mm-hmm. And and what I, what I got out of that space was not the same as what I got out of therapy, but they like, they worked together Mm-hmm. And then, you know, plugging into like survivor communities and my own survivor to survivor mentor, again, just offering me things that therapy didn't like that just wasn't the role therapy played, mm-hmm. but also like community doesn't play the same role as therapy. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like this idea that all of these pieces play different roles and they can actually be quite supportive of one another. Mm-hmm. But being really clear about like what role I play and like specifically, I think when it came to creating the survivor wise program, being like really clear about, yeah, the scope and like what it's for, that it's not a replacement for therapy, but it's, it's going to maybe offer something that is different than therapy. So mm-hmm. yeah. And, and that's important to me because of safety. Like I find that clarity is uh, safe, right? Like we talked mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. we know what to expect. <laughs> that gives us a sense of safety. So yeah, I just try to be, I think also is, you know, for me, it's like, um, I don't want to be a therapist. That's a, that's an honest confession <laughs> from me right now. <laughs> I really like what I am and what I offer. I like that I'm coming from a place of lived experience and that I found my way to this, maybe not through like an academic training, but a different route. And so Mm -hmm. I've learned to just honor the way I came to things Mm -hmm. and just be really clear about what my scope is, right? Just Mm -hmm. for safety. But yeah, I've I've been asked all the time, like, are you going to be a therapist? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I, yeah, that's not for me. Not for me. (laughs) Maybe I just, yeah, I guess I just value the way I found it, the way I came to it. And I, and I just want to stick with that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also important to recognize that it's important to have different perspectives, right? So all healing can't come from therapy. Mm -hmm. There's so many other ways that people are going to start their healing journey. 
continue in their healing journey, it, it's going to start different. It doesn't start with therapy for most of us. It doesn't start with therapy, <laughs> if I'm being really honest. Um, calling a therapist is not usually the first thing that comes to mind, but it may be, Claire and I like to say, it may be kind of like that soft or passive engagement mm-hmm. to the healing process or that passive introduction. And then there's a more direct engagement with the healing journey. And so this, as you just stated, this is a way that you've come to it. And I think it's offering survivors, helpers, and allies, many different people, a way to to digest mm-hmm. what's possible, right? So yeah. I think it's something for everyone. And I think that the number of resources that we've talked about, you've had, that you have, there's something for everyone, no matter where you are in the healing journey. You can be as direct or as passive as you need to be wherever you are in that healing space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the hope. I recognize for me personally, I would say like in a lot of ways, I'm privileged in terms of my access and financial privilege that's allowed me to have. An example is the insurance under my husband's employer is unlimited for therapy visits, which is like unheard of. And that's Mm -hmm. like, I recognize that as a specific privilege that I have. And so I think also like trying to understand that and saying that like access is a huge part of this conversation and that like, what's maybe really even more challenging about access in terms of complex trauma is like, it's rarely one thing. It's often a collection of things. And like, how are people able to access a collection of things in terms of time, energy, and money, right? Mm -hmm. For a lot of us, like we're having to navigate that limitation while we're trying to heal. Yeah, and so it's like, I, I think again, it's like how like increasing access is a, as an important part, part of this advocacy for me and like how, how it becomes affordable. Cause exactly. it, it honestly isn't <laughs> exactly not affordable. We're always looking for those ways that we can do that. And this isn't a forum for us to share the ways that we're trying to do that, but this is one of them mm-hmm. is yeah. to provide a space of, of bringing those resources here and, you know, we're not going to do justice in, you know, a, a short podcast episode <laughs> of all your resources. We could do a whole episode on each of them. But I do want to take just a moment to highlight a couple others. You have your, you know, the Breaking Down CPTSD community and on Instagram and or support through social media there and the mentorship program, the Survivor Wise Mentorship Program. And then you've got your resources on Etsy. And, you know, I found you through using your emotions life raft card deck in my trauma groups. And, you know, it's such a great resource. I have it here. You may hear me flipping through, but things like, you know, you, you have on a, on a ring, these cards that you can even take with you that you can, it's a shortcut. You know, we used to you know, cliff notes was big when I was, when I was growing up, this is like the, the trauma cliff notes of how to get regulated. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just love it. You know, you have how things you can use when you're just out and about even, you know, if you, if you're one that has panic attacks on a regular basis, you could carry this with you. And, you know, it's a, a, an inexpensive resource that you 
put time and energy and, and looked at the science of the nervous system and trauma to, you know, put this together, you know, looking at, you know, I'm looking at a couple pages here, who are the inner protectors? How can we work with them instead of against them? Using body-based tools, what are they? Navigating trauma triggers, all kinds of things. The window of tolerance, if you if you know or don't know what that is, talks about that. So things like the Emotions Life Raft card deck is something you can carry with you. You're also a storyteller. And so, you know, helping people to get their stories and their experiences from inside their head on the paper, you have a self-guided way to do that, you know, in a format where you someone can do it when they want to. So there's just so many ways that you've provided so many things that you've provided for survivors. And we really just, we really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm particularly proud and fond of that (laughs) life raft deck. I think that's maybe my favorite resource in the shop. And I would say like maybe a lot of what comes like what gets funneled into out the owl survivor shop is like, what I wish I would have had in getting started or like, or I'd ask myself like, what would be like the first step in learning? I know there's like a parts, like putting the pieces together is a parts work, mini workbook. It's like, Mm -hmm. where like, what would be the first step that you like that I would have taken in like, or I took in like learning this modality. My hope is those are like affordable, accessible resources that help, like I said, somebody take like a practical step in bringing like choice and empowerment to their day-to-day experience with trauma. And it's been so long since I've looked at that self. I wrote that self-guided sexual trauma healing workshop when I was in school, when I was getting my writing certificate that was actually maybe one of the places that breaking down CPTSD was born because I had teachers that were (laughs) encouraging me to like put stuff out into the, into the world. And that was one of my projects. I was like, I want to create a workshop for uh, sexual trauma survivors that helps them reframe the way they tell their story that casts them well, helps them maybe see themselves as resilient and powerful and maybe just in a different way than they maybe tell, yeah, the story originally. Well, we appreciate you helping those get to that resilience place. I love that word. Mm-hmm. Resilience is so important and it feels so much better. And we may bounce back and forth between feeling resilient and getting mired back in it. But when we know what the path is to get out, it's so, so important. And having back to the recipe, you know, having the recipe to get out of the muck, you know, when we get back in it or when something new in life happens and we feel like we're going backwards, we're not going backwards. We're just living life and life is going to happen. But when we have that recipe, we can apply the recipe again and again mm-hmm. and not feel so hopeless, like you said. So hope and resilience, two big words for today. Yeah. And thank you so much. 
Yeah, thanks for for letting, you know, inviting me to be a part of the podcast and share some of the things that 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 I've created and and what I'm doing. The way I tend to frame my own recovery is like a shifting in the way I relate to myself. I think like if I one of the maybe the biggest changes that I've experienced over the course of recovery is like uh, learning to relate to myself in a curious and compassionate way rather than a shame-based judgmental way. And so I'm not, I'm not like trigger-free, trauma-free, problem-free, pain-free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Such an important like message. That. Love, that. Love that. How I'm relating to myself through all of these different experiences continues to, to soften and I would say that like the relationship that I have with myself today is one I never imagined I could have in that like it's kinder and softer and much more gentle than it's ever been. Well, on that note, <laughs> that sounds awesome. And that's what, a great what we place hope to end. That's where we ho- what we hope for everyone. So Dr. Sadal and I will see you out in the in the trenches. And we're so glad to have talked to you and met with you today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Follow or subscribe for notifications to upcoming Freak Out Free resources. Reviews are always welcome so we can keep doing what you enjoy and tweaking the rough edges. We would also love to hear from you. If you want your question answered live on a future podcast, go to our webpage linked in the description and click leave a voicemail on the right side of the page or post a comment on Instagram under this week's episode at Reset Trauma Unstuck.